You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello and welcome back to the Oz Network for um, more random fun from the Oz Network. Uh, we're shifting gears here a little bit in the month of October. We're kind of combining two ideas of what we've been doing lately, and we decided. Uh, and by we, I mean Rossi, uh, who is here today. We decided that we were going to bring you a month's worth of coverage on Halloween-themed episodes. Uh, just something fun that we've been doing, similar to like the anniversary month, and as we're now you know, uh, starting off on DC month. But this is just going to be a month of episodes, and maybe not the type of stuff you would expect us to cover. A uh, little bit of mix of TV and everything here. It's all going to be random, and it's all kind of back and forth between me and Rossi. Uh, and it's probably going to be, well, let's be honest, amazing. Like the greatest episodes in the history of the Oz Network. So stay tuned for that. Uh, my name is Colin, and I am joined, not as always, but at least today, by someone else who made his way on the wrong list uh, and wasn't supposed to be invited. But you're here regardless. Thank you for joining us, Rossi. Yeah, I don't think I was got the invite for this podcast, but somehow I'm still here. Yeah, it was all on the wrong list. Um if you haven't gathered what we're talking about from that reference, well, then you don't know. It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, as well as we do. Uh, but I guess... Even though we just watched it. We just watched it, yeah. Not for the first time, though. I mean, we'll, we'll kind of start just by our history with this. It, it seems like a weird thing for grown adults to be covering on the Oz Network when, you know, we're... At least Ben and I are just coming off of doing Face Off for you. Um, this is... Your suggestion, as I said at the beginning of the episode, uh, you came up with not this one, but another thing. You said, I have a random, not TV show, but movie that I want to cover. And you mentioned it, and it's something we will be covering in a few weeks. You know, we won't tease it until we get there or get about a week away from it. But I'm like, yeah, that would be a good idea. And I said, well, if you pick a movie, then I'll pick a movie. And then we said that, and then it became, well, maybe if we have time, you, you suggested we could do a whole month's worth. And I said... Well, a whole month's worth of movies is a little bit much when I'm doing five-hour episodes with Ben, uh, talking about things that you could watch the movie twice in. So he said, let's do some TV episodes in there as well. And that's what we're doing. So we're starting with the probably all-time classic TV Halloween special. Not that there's as many of those as are for Christmas, but it's The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Uh, just missed anniversary month. Uh, this is the 31st anniversary. Who f- knew it was 31st? My math skills are extraordinary. 51st anniversary. (laughs) This is all the way back to Dawn of the Dead. Uh, um, 51st anniversary of It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Uh, Rossi, um, tell us a little bit about how you first watched this episode, or even Charlie Brown. Did you discover this 51 years ago? Yes, I um, went back in time, you know, within the last year, and I went back and watched it. Obviously. For the second time even though i was watching it really for the first time time travel gets confusing you know mm-hmm. um no but i remember watching this when it was on you know i the charlie brown specials are such a big deal mm-hmm. all the networks broadcast this one and then they have the christmas one with the iconic tree and all that um so like i'm very familiar with it maybe not every reference every joke but um it's definitely something that's a lot interesting to go back on watching because a lot of what I saw was a lot of things that really didn't, wouldn't have made sense to children. Mm-hmm. And it's like a very adult thing. And like there was words that I don't think I would have known as ch- as a child. Like there's expressions and jokes yeah. and like the whole Snoopy dressing up as the World War One thing like that has lost on a child. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. And it's funny that you mentioned that because 
Um, I probably saw this as a child too. And this is maybe going to be like the weirdest thing to ever say about myself, but I'm probably as an adult equally obsessed with peanuts and Charlie Brown as I am on levels with stuff like Star Wars and Superman and Mission Impossible. James Bond. James Bond, yeah. You know, it, it's it's something that I discovered more as an adult and probably at the age of, I think it was 23 or 24, uh, my sister one Christmas, like, I really want, want to get the Charlie Brown Christmas special. We haven't seen this since we were kids. And it was always one of these things where I remember watching these things as a kid and liking it, but not like being obsessed with it or anything. And then she got it, and there was something about the jokes that clicked with me as an adult, like you were saying. And the the one that comes to my mind the most is, uh, you know, with uh, Lucy, you know, uh, I think it was she was talking about, uh, you know, I never get what I really want for Christmas. It's like, what is it you really want? And she's like, real estate. And then the other joke she was making about, you know, uh, Christmas is run by a big <laughs> Eastern syndicate, you know? I'm like, no kid's going to understand this joke. But as an adult, I just thought it was so funny. I'm like, I can't believe I missed this. And over the course of a few months, I would go to the library, you know, because I wasn't as, you know, uh, um, skilled at downloading at the time. And I would get like every peanut special. And I probably have seen the majority of them to this day, most of them over the course of just a few months. Like I became legitimately obsessed with it as in my mid 20s. And, you know, this is one of the ones I think holds up the best. And it's exactly like you said, you don't get this stuff as a kid. Charles Schultz, I'll talk a little bit as we get into some of these lines about why he wrote this stuff in there and that's why i think it does work because it's almost more enjoyable to watch than when you're a kid because you get everything now i think like it's family viewing like in air quotes like family viewing Mm -hmm. and the fact that this one at least there is not like one adult yeah in the entire you know short like except for the ones throwing the candy but you only see their hands Mm -hmm. and so like it's kid-centric like it's all about the kids it's all about the dog and everything it's all about having fun and all that and that resonates with children. I guess that's why kids like it. But like all the dialogue is kind of for the adults because yeah. a family might be watching this together. And so it's kind of something for everyone. In a weird way, Charlie Brown is something for everyone. And I remember like when Toy Story came out, that's what people always say. And with all the Pixar movies, that's what people always say. Like the thing that makes Pixar so unique is that it's appropriate for kids and kids love it, but they throw so many things in there that the adults are the only ones that get. And like this was doing it, you know, 30 years before uh, anything Pixar ever came out. And do you want to check your math on that again, or I know the math on that one. Pixar, 1996. This was 1966. I actually got the math dead on for once. <laughs> but um, yeah, like this was doing it for so long. And the other great thing about it is that the specials never changed. Like most people look back at least when they're a kid and they're like, I love the, the Charlie Brown or Peanuts TV show. And it's like, it was never a TV show. They'd have two, sometimes maybe three, but it was usually maybe one or two, just a few TV specials every year, half hour long. And it's just, it ran for so long. And, and it was so consistent where you could watch the ones from 1966 and then watch the ones from 1979 and they felt the same for the most part. And some weird ones in the 80s, I remember, but uh, the animation never really changed. And, you know, up until the movie that came out a few years ago, which I'm interested to hear if you even watched that movie, uh, they never really even changed the animation. They went out of their way to keep it as this primitive, hand-drawn animation that looks identical to the way that Charles Schultz drew it. Did you ever see the movie that came out? No. I, I was a little did. scared. No, I, I saw it and I liked it because it was very 
true to what the characters are and the only thing that was really different was the animation was different and the movie had like a very fast pace like all the jokes were coming just a little bit too fast that's just different attention spans i think but it was a decent movie uh but you know for the most part i mean you can never beat especially these early specials like you mentioned the christmas one and the the holiday theme ones which are the ones that are on the air all the time like how many of those do you know for a fact you've seen like obviously the christmas one did you ever see the Easter one or the Thanksgiving one? Oh, I remember the Thanksgiving one. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the Easter one. The Easter I one, to... I, I think it's still aired on TV. Um, and New Year's is the other big one. Like, New Year's is probably my other favorite behind this and the Christmas one. I'll have to look those up. I don't remember. They're not coming to me now. Yeah, New Year's was great because it was Charlie Brown having to do a book report on War and Peace. And everybody else is enjoying their Christmas break. Um, and they used a lot of that adapting into the new movie that came out too, which is maybe one of the reasons why it sticks up my memory more. Yeah, aside from the specials, what you've seen, like, have you ever read the comics or did you remember reading it growing up? Uh, I don't think I ever read it. Um, but you do not- have a history with Charlie Brown, which I'm sure we'll, you know, mention at some point in this episode, hopefully. Yeah, I've definitely seen like a lot of like the media and stuff before oh i was thinking of your history with charlie brown wait what do you mean your specific it was a story you told me about this special or (laughs) did that not not happen did i imagine this something about you having a monologue oh yeah i was gonna get to that when we got there okay yeah well i was just mentioning like yeah obviously you have familiarity with it outside of just the specials yeah okay so we'll tease that for later on okay you have to stay tuned to the end of the episode because something special is coming. Don't want to build it up too much. Um, I just mentioned like the comics because I again I read a lot of this because I got so into it. I'm like this is so funny, and I never re- realized it as a kid that you know I even have like a handfuls of books that I've gotten like you know used books that I found, and you realize how much of these specials come from little things. But when you read the comics, it's like four panels. You know, he's telling a story every single day and sometimes every single week with just four panels and like the whole opening sequence here which we'll get into this is kind of what the comics were like is that it would be like almost no dialogue just a joke setting something up you know you know Linus and Lucy are walking and uh they find a pumpkin patch you know they they pick one out they roll it all the way back to the house like it's long you're like where are they going with this you know Lucy sits there she carves the whole thing up uh she pulls all the guts out and then all of a sudden Linus just breaks down and says, you didn't tell me you were going to kill it. Like a very long drawn out joke. And this is what I always love about it is that, you know, they'll let these jokes play for a good two or three minutes here before it happens. But that's the entire opening sequence there. Uh, anything to talk about in the opening sequence here and uh, the, the skill of drawing out a joke this long? Yeah, it's like super subtle. Like you don't really know what to expect. Like, mm-hmm. Um, cause I guess if you're not familiar with it, like for kids, like it's, um, like just a really like cool intro with quiet music and nothing like a very subtle opening, but then like they finally get to a joke and it's kind of this weird territory. Like, do I laugh? Do I like, how do you feel about it? Cause you're not sure what to think of it. The first opening scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like classic, like simple joke. It's not over the top. It's just effective and funny. And that's all of this. Yeah. The whole movie is kind of like that. Yeah. And the other thing that's crazy about this is like Charles Schultz, who created Peanuts and all these characters, 
he basically wrote every single comic strip. Like we're talking this ran for you know close to 50 years or maybe more, the comics that is. And it was like every single day, like five times a week, you know, maybe even a bonus one on weekends. And he wrote every single one of them. And even these specials, it wasn't like they just said, okay, we've got the rights, let's, you know, uh, do something with this. Like he was involved in writing all these specials as well. You know, if if it wasn't, you know, just we're going to bore your uh, story or whatever, it was like this one. The screenplay is Charles Schultz. I mean, he kept a hand in all of this. So that's also one of the other things that helps keeps this consistent, you know, from one special, the next all the way through like 40 years later or 50 years later or 51, whatever it may be. Correct, Rossi says. Um, Good math. I wanted to, were you waiting that long? You're checking out the math. You're like, does that make sense? Does this add up? No, I was trying to draw the the joke. Oh, you're drawing out the joke. Good math. Okay, good joke. Um, (laughs) One question I want to ask about the pumpkins. Okay, so... I'm sure everybody's carved a pumpkin before, but like, you know that pumpkin smell? Yeah. Like the raw pumpkin smell? It's literally like the most, it is literally the most disgusting thing in the world. And I always kind of get nauseous during this opening scene where she's pulling all the guts out of it. I'm just like, oh, that's so gross. Uh, You know, which another story about that is I, I, uh, uh, once we had a can of like pumpkin mix in our cupboard and I'm like, yeah, I wonder what that tastes like. So I cracked open a can and not realizing it's not sweetened. <laughs> Pumpkin does not come with sugar like you eat in a pie. And it was so disgusting. And I tricked my brother to eating it. And now here we are like, you know, 25 years later. And he still refuses to eat pumpkin mix. But it really is disgusting. Like, or is that just me? No, it's really gross. And then I was kind of like mortified that she was reaching in with her hand. Yeah. To like get the seeds out and everything. Because it's slimy too. Yeah. And then you get like the stringy stuff hanging all over you. <laughs> Yeah, it's so gross. We're mortified here. Like this is, uh, it's funny because I was just about to talk about how the opening credits kind of set this up. You know, the way it's like the kids running and there's weird noises and there's ghosts popping up and owls being scary. It leads you to believe it's like a typical Halloween terrifying special when it really, there's nothing scary about it. The only thing that connects it to Halloween is it takes place on Halloween. But like, that's our horror in here is just carving a pumpkin and taking the raw guts out with your bare hand. Yeah, that's peanuts. Yeah, that's what it was all about. Schultz grossing us out. Um, so the opening sequence, you already mentioned it with the football. And this is a joke that's played so many times. You talk about like dragging a joke out. This is another perfect example about how he sets up a joke and you know it's going somewhere, but you don't know exactly where it's going. We've seen this joke so many times. Uh, I can't remember when it was. It was probably one of the uh, Peanuts movies they did in like the late 60s, early 70s where she was doing this and he's like i'm actually gonna do it she's she's gonna let me do this and of course she still pulls away we've seen the joke so many times and yet it always works because there's little twists on this and i'm guessing this is probably what you're talking about like words that you didn't get as a kid where she's saying you know you can trust me this time i'm not going to pull the football away i have a signed document testifying that i promise to not pull it away and he's like well it's a signed document you know how can uh how can she trick me if she has a signed document saying this and of course she pulls it away and you know what what does she say it wasn't notarized it was never notarized like no kid is going to understand that but you become an adult you're like that is so funny and that's i'm guessing what you're referring to with uh you know words and things like that that you just went over your head as a kid yeah, some of it, and like they, they still like a lot more to come when they mm-hmm. say things, and I'm like, what, <laughs> what? Yeah, and it's it's not even like the big words, you know. Like I mentioned with the Christmas special, like it's run by a big Eastern syndicate. 
it's even the little things like the the sequence where Linus is writing the letter to the Great Pumpkin, which really sets up the whole episode that he believes the Great Pumpkin is this figure like Santa Claus. I mean, this entire episode is like, I'll write a letter to him. He's going to leave me presents. He picks one kid and all that. And just the way his letters are written, like there's something about Linus where his character was always super mature. But of course, you get a situation like this where he is the most immature person there is even though he's the one who will go off on like the big philosophical rants all the time and speeches and monologues. But it's just funny the way he's, he's writing it where it's like, uh, does it upset you that Santa gets more publicity than you? <laughs> like there's so much good stuff. And it's another sequence where it drags on for a long time because Schultz wrote his comics in four panels. And it's like, and sometimes you would have a continuation one day to the next, but still you're not going to remember the same joke. He would need his punchlines to be very quick. And here, He's like, well, let's drag this out. The punchlines take such a long time. But, like, the letter-writing thing is just hilarious. And I think they play up on this in the not the original Christmas special, but one of the later ones uh, where Sally's writing a letter to Mrs. Claus or something like that. I don't know if you ever remember that. Barely, sort of. Mm-hmm. Memory on everything, Peanuts is not good. <laughs> Yours is a little bit better. Yeah, well, I again, I watched all these like so many times as a you know a grown man, which is kind of weird, but everybody should do it because it's hilarious. Um, the letter writing stuff is great. Lucy's introduced here, the typical bossy sister. Uh, Rossi, I don't think I've ever asked you this. Like, do you have siblings, or are you an only child? No. Just me. Just you. Okay. Um, do you have any close cousins or something like that? Not that. Not that, not really. Oh, you are so lucky. <laughs> This is like, oh, I'm not going to knock my sister. She's probably, this is probably in one episode she'll listen to. Um, but this Hello, is, sister. yeah, this is everybody's bossy older sister. And like, that's the funny thing is, is that this is torment for me because my sister is Lucy. Uh, I remember when we started watching this, we realized there were a lot of similarities between, and this is part of what Schultz does, while like writing it very adult. Like there's a lot of similarities between us and different characters and you know people would always point out that i was like the linus character in a lot of ways and jamie who's been on the show you might not realize it just from listening on the show she is 100 percent sally like more than anybody you've ever met jamie is sally and my brother-in-law is like very charlie brown like you know no matter what he does he tries so hard things just don't go right for him my sister is lucy 100 but the funny thing is lucy is probably my favorite character of this entire group because she's so mean and that's the other thing we have to talk about is the fact that this com this innocent comic slash tv special franchise empire is built 100 percent around bullying and yet nobody's offended by it and like lucy is the biggest bully of all and i think that she's the funniest one on this but uh, any comment about that or is it something that you've ever really thought about or noticed about the, the bullying aspect of this show not really but like it doesn't it's kind of condensed really just to lucy a little bit i mean obviously there's some in some the of the other that, minor girls too yeah like charlie brown didn't get an invite to the party yeah. kind of like when there's only like six kids in the town or something like that mm-hmm. but yeah i've never thought about it really like i just think it's like a cool gag and i guess i forget that if this was a real world it's based on like these traits <laughs> like i never thought of it that way but like there's an innocence about it and it's partly because I think the way the way Charlie Brown character is in that 
yeah, this bothers him, but he's not like, he's not beaten down as a person. He's still like, this is the way I am. And he accepts, he's like, I'm a failure. That's fine. You know? And, uh, there are some really mean things that are said in the show, but it's always funny. And the way that Charles Schultz created this was it had a lot to do with his own upbringing. He said that he brought aspects of his own personality to all of these characters, but mostly with Charlie Brown, because when he was a kid, he was skipped like two grades and, it you know uh, basically led to him being the smallest kid in class, and he was the one who was always picked on. On top of that, he always said he was like the most plain, dull kid ever, and he was just an uninteresting person. He created this character that was like the dullest kid that's uninteresting and fails at everything, and everybody gives him a hard time, or no matter what he does, it never goes right for him. And yet, that's kind of an endearing thing about the character. Like, I like that he's bullied, and I'm not saying I you know endorse bullying. That's just people are so sensitive nowadays. You can't do this, but. This show shows it right. You know, kids are going to say mean things to each other. People say mean things to each other. We say mean things to each other. Rossi, say something mean to me. Um, you only got a rock for trick-or-treats. <laughs> That's, and I probably did at times growing up or deserved it. That's the thing. is, It, it just works somehow. And uh, going back to the Lucy character, like, do you have a favorite character? And what are your feelings on Lucy and how mean she really is? Because I think most people will take either one or two approaches. She's either the character that's like, oh, she's so mean, or she's scared. She's like, she's so amazing because she's so mean. Um, my favorite character is Snoopy, but I don't know if that really counts for your question. Oh, yeah. Well, I, Snoopy's like the icon of the franchise, yeah. Um, but if I had to go outside of that, um, I have a weird love for Pigpen. <laughs> um, I like a lot of the characters. There's no major character that I dislike or hate or whatever. Like, I think they're all kind of interesting and enjoyable. Um, what was that? Oh, what's... It was, she was in the... What's her name? She's in the Easter special. She's like the smaller girl, like Velma-esque. Oh, um, Violet? I like her a lot, Maybe, too. Yeah, probably Violet. Another one of the mean ones, like Lucy. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but I like a lot of the characters. I'm not too bothered by Lucy. Like, normally I feel like I would be, but I'm not. Like, her character is fine. And I feel like she has her like upside too because at the end of the the special she goes and pulls her brother out yeah. of the the pumpkin patch at four in the morning. Which my sister would never have done. Well, good for her. <laughs> See, Rossi's mean to me and I'm okay with it. Um <laughs> Well someone had to get you, otherwise you'd still be there. Yeah, exactly. I'd never be able to cover it. And and you notice I am occasionally coughing and sniffling and stuff like that because i spent too long out in the pumpkin patch waiting for the great pumpkin well you're, you're ridiculous it's canada it's cold it is very cold and that's the other thing i'll mention on the end of the episode where it always kind of gives me a weird feeling um yeah so the the lucy introduction is funny because when they walk past like sally comes up in the middle of writing this letter and that's the introduction to sally which it was the same thing in the Christmas special. She's like in love with Linus. And she's like, isn't he the sweetest thing and all that? And he's just like, I want no part of this. You're embarrassing me. Leave me alone. Um, this is part of the aspect of like Jamie's character. But the other part, which isn't about the special, but I still have to mention it. And Jamie will kill me if I don't mention it. Because she actually loves this about herself. Is If you remember the Christmas special where uh, Sally is reading her letter to Santa Claus and she's saying, you know, this year I don't want presents for Christmas. I just want cash, cold hard cash. I'm thinking tens and twenties, and that's very much like a Jamie thing to do. It's like I don't care what you get me for Christmas, just get me cash. I'll buy myself what I want. You know, uh, Sally's another great character. I know you'll have some Sally stuff to talk about throughout this, 
but it's, I just think it's fun, like especially for me watching this. This is 100% my wife, Jamie. Uh, and one day you'll hear it on our episodes and you won't just hear her <laughs> mocking me and stuff. But little subtle things they throw in here, like when they walk past Lucy and she's reading TV Guide and Lucy herself is on TV Guide, which I don't know how many people would have picked that up in 1966 with half the TV still black and white, but it is hilarious. That was lost on me. You missed that? Oh, you're going back now to watch it? Uh, I don't know. I'm not, it's not, I, I don't remember that. I don't, I didn't oh. catch it. Yeah. This is why we're doing this ahead of when ABC airs the special every year. So people can watch it now. They're like, look, Lucy is on the TV guide. Um, here comes my favorite scene. Anytime people are just mercilessly laying into Charlie Brown as being a loser is just hilarious to me. The invitation, as you mentioned, to the party, and he's so excited. He's like, I got invited to a Halloween party. He's doing his dance. Like, he's so excited he's dancing. And Lucy's like, is, is, that's not Violet's party, is it? He goes, yeah. And it's like, sorry, that was a mistake. They made two lists. One of people to invite and one of people not to invite. You ended up on the wrong list. Um, it's just so funny every time that he's mocked here. I just love it. Um, with, when they're preparing the costumes, another scene I guess we could talk about here where Lucy's, you know, again, the person doesn't realize that she's unlikable, which is you always pick a con- uh, costume that's in direct contrast to your personality, and she throws on a witch mask, <laughs> which, of course, is her. And then, you know, obviously the uh, uh, thing with Charlie Brown, everybody trying on their ghost costume, which, I don't know, maybe ghost costumes like that don't look so good nowadays. A little KKK, possibly. Um, but... The reveal of all the kids having the ghost costume on and Charlie Brown slipping his on and there's eye holes everywhere. It's like I had a little problem with the scissors. Like a perfect timing and just Schultz knows how to set up these jokes. So I guess everything there talking about um, the... Uh, or we'll have to group in here obviously the conversation where Sally learns what trick-or-treating is and they're explaining you go up to somebody's door and you say trick-or-treat and, you know, and then they give you a treat. Are you sure it's legal? Like I love little lines like that. Like you won't catch as a kid the whole setup to the party here um and even talk about like the letter writing if you feel like it yeah because i was gonna say one of my favorite things is from the letter um like i think he was talking to sally um about the letter or something like that and he's and linus was like there's three things that i don't like to talk about it's religion politics and the great pumpkin (laughs) or something to that effect and Mm -hmm. i'm like i would have not picked that up at all like that's just like a such a funny like throwaway line but it like makes the whole like linus character really interesting like this Mm -hmm. dichotomy of like child but adult it's like because that's the whole thing with him like he is so super mature but then you have this weird thing where he's you know obsessed with this ridiculous story that even the other children are like what a loser yeah back to bullying Mm -hmm. yeah oh it's all about bullying in this show and it's great uh, anything else you want to add on the other scenes? Um, no. All right. <laughs> Glad you're here as always. Um, I, I try. Hey, I'm trying. The Linus goes on his rant about what the Great Pumpkin is. You know, there's like every year, you know, the Great Pumpkin picks one child, you know, who he deems worthy, and he showers on him presents, and he rises up on the pumpkin patch. All this stuff. Um, Probably, uh, you mentioned it, it was your quote as soon as you saw my profile pic, which of course is the upcoming scene here when they start going trick-or-treating, all the kids but Linus, and Sally, I guess, because she believes so much in Linus. 
where they're trick-or-treating and it's like trick-or-treat and then you get slow reveal for the joke again you get the kids each one by one getting stuff thrown in there and you see something and you're not quite sure what it is get thrown in charlie browns but you know it's different and then they go and it's like i got you know a chocolate bar i got bubble gum i got a rock <laughs> and then it just repeats like again it's like i got another rock like it's just a bag full of rocks and it's it's weird because there's so many better jokes like you know more clever jokes and everything but it, it it's not just the whole thing about being mean to Charlie Brown that's funny. It's the fact that he is this character that he can't do anything right. And it's kind of, in my opinion, the precursor to, like, Clark Griswold from, like, you know, Christmas Vacation or all the Vacation movies, if you kind of get what I'm meaning is with that. Yeah, I see it. Like, he's just the the picked-on one. And it's, like, not by his own design. It just kind of happens, like, short end of the stick and stuff. Yeah, he tries so hard. And it just, no matter what he does, it just never works out for him. Also, what what is wrong with these people in which they're giving children rocks? Are they picking... Like, that's, that's the other thing that makes it funny because the joke doesn't really... And it's a cartoon. We're not saying it should make sense. But the joke doesn't really make sense. So they're like, oh, I'm just grabbing stuff out of the bag. Here's some rocks. You know, is the joke just that that's his bad luck? And it's equally funny no matter which way you play it. Either that's just his bad luck and that's the thing with Charlie Brown is like, no matter how hard he tries, he just has bad luck and nothing's going to work out for him. Or... They're looking at everybody, and this kid comes up to the door. They get one look at him and said, "Let me give this kid a rock." You know, either <laughs> way, the a joke spare is, rock. Yeah, I just have a spare rock lying around here. I put this like you know, you get lumps of coal ready just to threaten your kids with at Christmas. Here, I'm gonna have the the rocks for the kids who look unworthy of candy. Who who cut too many holes in their ghost costume? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like he's the only one the who does not. Lo- he's the only one that does not look like a Ku Klux Klan member right now. We should say that about him. Yeah, well, I think it's weird that Lucy and then one of the other girls or whoever is wearing the mask, but she's also got, like, the drape, like... Yeah. So it's, like, ghost witch or something. <laughs> she just couldn't just make up weird her mind. <laughs> combo of... Well, she's direct contrast to her own personality. Mm-hmm. And she's not a ghost because she's alive. Yeah. And she's not a witch because she's a nice person. This is a show that really makes you think... As an adult. As an adult, yeah. Um, and as a podcaster, because we'd never be talking about that otherwise. Uh, I, have I to just get... don't want to go trick-or-treating in that, in that town if they're giving out rocks. What was the worst thing for you to get if you were ever trick-or-treating? An apple. Did you get apples a lot? No, but like there was this one house in the neighborhood that always did. I don't know why we kept going back, but... <laughs> he gave fruit it was like a really sketchy house too it's like one of the ones that you would like it's like an old man living alone you don't want to go there at night but like i don't know why i kept going back but i got like continuous apples i think i got an orange once which was like a break a deal break which was a lucky like lucky to get something other than an apple oh so you were happy you got the orange instead of the apple i mean i was just glad it wasn't the same thing again (laughs) and you were glad it wasn't a rock you know I, I can at least eat the apple. Yeah. Or, or should you have eaten? That's the other thing is that you can't eat a rock, obviously. You know, an apple, the parents are going to be like, that could be poison. Show me this guy's house. I'm reporting him to the police. <laughs> now we're making predators out of the neighbors of Charlie Brown or, or Rossi's neighborhood here. We need to film the next episode of To Catch a Predator. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the... Uh, Next thing to really talk about here, I mean, after the scene with The Rock, which, again, I just have to say, I I can't say enough. Maybe the funniest scene 
in Charlie Brown history, no matter what. There's, there's probably only one of those funny, or maybe if we ever cover it, we'll talk about it. Um, this next sequence here. Now, the animated specials are so similar to the comics where sometimes it's almost word for word from, you know, storylines they had in comic strip and everything. But they found ways, and they always wanted to do stuff like this to find ways to make the animated specials different and unique because they were a lot of times reusing stories. The two ways were, A, the music, which you mentioned earlier. They used, like, this very soft, relaxing, jazzy music, which you're not going to get that if you're reading a comic. And the other thing are, like, the animated sequences. So, obviously, the Snoopy flying ace stuff, you know, which is your profile pick right now, that was, like, let's take a minute and show off some animation. It's maybe not funny. It's not jokes. It's not following the story. It's definitely not something you get in the comics because you can't really do a story with that. Uh, this is something that like a lot of people have divided opinions on. So you have to tell me what your opinions are on Snoopy Flying Ace. Um, yeah, it's definitely an unusual thing, but it's so iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like hard to explain. Like, and then we get the whole because he does the whole flying thing, and then he's shot down, <laughs> and then he's walking through enemy lines in yeah. France. Um, and again, like some of these other things, like the football, it's the same joke every time, and maybe that's what makes it iconic. Yeah, it's so hard to explain, too, because, like, it's just, it's such a great scene. Lost on children. Mm-hmm. Still lost on adults, too, because <laughs> I don't know everything about World War One. Yeah. Like, some well, of there's these... there's a lot of, like, in-references there, yeah. A lot of it's kind of contemporary when they made this, more relevant to the times when they were making this, because World War Two had just finished. Mm-hmm. Did it? Or am I speaking out of Well, my... I mean, at the time the comics were written, yeah, we were probably about, you know, about 20 years after World War II, but at least the right decade, yeah. Like, within, like, memory of the people. And yeah, stuff. it's like, so like 9-11 to us now. Yeah, like, so it's definitely still prevalent and stuff, so... But it's just, like, a funny, like, thing, especially because Snoopy is a silent character. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't get funny, witty dialogue. We get these funny faces and, you know, inaudible screeches and stuff, and it's just enjoyable to watch, like, and then they get the Charlie Brown, like narrating it it's just a fun scene to watch yeah and i mean it is it's just something different too you're not just following a story it's something unique and they always throw these into the specials and it's always slightly different but it is the same joke every time you know i mention this because i know some people do complain about this my wife being one of them whenever we watch these specials you know i just don't get these sequences and that was the problem she had with the uh the animated movie that came out a few years ago so she said i really liked all of it but the snoopy sequences just there were too many of them of him flying and they dragged on too long and I almost fell asleep during them. And I'm like, but like exactly like you said, it's iconic. This is what it's known for. And it's also funny because you mentioned like he's a silent character. In the comics, he was intended to be a silent character as well. But it was different because they would have like thought bubbles where you could hear what he was thinking. And for whatever reason, they chose not to do that in the animated special. But I actually feel like it works better this way. Like, I don't know if you've ever read it or even seen, you know, when Snoopy does at least think his words. It works so much better with him being a silent character. And that's why sequences like this matter, because it gives him so much personality. You know, it's definitely like kind of goes back into the beginning opening scene of all that just music and silence and waiting so long for some sort of delivery on what they're doing. And we wait so long to get delivery, although... Snoopy's joke is a little more continuous, but like we mm-hmm. wait until he arrives from the out of the pumpkin patch mm-hmm. to get resolve on what he was doing. Yeah, and it's that's just perfectly kind of, into it. Yeah, like classic Charlie Brown and the delay and the timing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the Halloween party, like, again, it's intercut here, but we just had to talk about that sequence on its own. Um, the Halloween party here, there's some great stuff in here. Uh, for one thing, even before they get to the Halloween party, when they stop by, and it's like, has the great pumpkin been by it? Like, again, it's just, it's being mean, and it's kind of, you know, mocking him and bullying him. It's hilarious. Sally's standing up for her man. You know, this is uh, something that she's kind of known for, which it's great the way that her character goes throughout this episode. Um, <laughs> the stuff at the... Uh, party is so funny especially with Charlie Brown again they set him up like with the football we need a model and here's Charlie Brown part time model and all it ends up being was they want him to turn around so they could draw what they sketch out what they want to do for their pumpkin carving on the back of his bald head and just the look on his face it's almost like it's a combination of anger and shame that is so funny to me um, a bunch of other things in here the bobbing for apples uh, there's a great line here. It's like, uh, you should be good at this because you have a big mouth towards Lucy. Um, when she gets in there, it's, it's again, a bit of a callback to the Christmas special, which is like, I've been kissed by a dog. I got dog germs and stuff. Here it's like, you know, I've been poisoned. I've been poisoned by dog lips. Uh, another sequence, which when they made these, they had to find a way to make it different from the comics. So that's why we have things like the Snoopy, you know, flying scene, but also the Schroeder piano scenes, which seem to happen all the time. And... And this Snoopy another, Cabaret. Yeah, it's it's just ends up being Snoopy dancing, but it's another opportunity just like they do with the animation to say, let's put unique music in there that makes this something different. Um, we don't have to talk about it much, but do you enjoy these for the same reason that they are kind of iconic and they make them different? Uh, not to mention the music's great, or is it like, yeah, these run on a little bit too long? Um, I enjoy them. Just, I think it's just like the difference of scene. Because you've got the the direct comedy of the like, let's draw in your face mm-hmm. to the like subtlety of that. I just think the the, the the levels and the playing of it all is really just enjoy. It just makes for better viewing. Mm-hmm. Like, because if you have all this like joke punchline, joke punchline, joke punchline, it just it's gonna wear on you. Yeah. But when you break it up with these Snoopy scenes and the Schroeder playing the piano, it like nullifies a, a lot of the boredom. And so I think that's what makes these scenes more iconic is because they're kind of breaking from the canon of, like, comedy. And really, what else do you have with Schroeder other than this, other than the fact that Lucy's in love with her? And here's the other thing. We don't get as much in this special, but is it weird that in the Peanuts universe, all these little girls are super horny? (laughs) It's a weird thing to talk about, but, like, these little girls really have a bad for some of these boys. Like, you get it with Lucy and Schroeder. You get it with Sally and Linus. And you get it later with... Uh, peppermint patty and charlie brown of all people you know it's just it's just a funny thing to me it's like these girls are crazy for these guys maybe it's like a teenage thing like schultz wrote this you know like memories of him being kids and that's probably more of a teenage girl than the teenage boy but just an observation of mine how old are they is that confirmed that we know how old these characters no i don't i don't know if they ever say it because one of the tricky things is that their classrooms don't even always say the same i've watched ones where linus is in charlie brown's class and charlie brown referred to uh, Lu- not Lucy, Sally as his little sister and Lucy will refer to Linus as her little brother. So there's times where Lucy is in Charlie Brown's class then there's other times where Linus is in Charlie Brown's class and there's times where Linus and Lucy are in the same class. The only thing I can gather is I would guess based on just the way Sally's character comes across she's probably more like five or six and the other kids are maybe more like seven or eight. Um, and I think I remember reading one time, like, the very first Charles Schultz comic, and a lot of these characters were way younger. It was like they were three or four at the time, and he kind of aged them up 
so he could do more of this mature humor. But yeah, we really don't ever know how old they are. Yeah, it just seems so weird, like, that we get these, like, girls that are lusting for men and then, Mm -hmm. not maybe not lusting, that's not the right word, but, like, wanting these guys and then the the fact that they can go trick-or-treating all alone, um, get terrified by ghosts, like, as we saw early in the beginning of the movie, um, and just a lot of an unsupervised party, although they weren't really doing anything, just standing around. But it's just weird to see, like, I guess that's what makes it kind of more child-friendly is that we, no adults, no boring, no, like, rules or anything is just free. Yeah. Yeah, see, we're getting very analytical here on this fight. We should also say, you know, we're not saying, like, oh, this is critical. These little girls are after these boys and they're all bullies. Yeah, what's the social commentary on that? Like, Yeah, it's it's... It's not even that. It's just it's it's funny, and this is a way that Charles Schultz wrote stuff that this goes on. Like I said, that's like a very teenage girl thing to do, um, and you know some of the things like with bullying, and I'd say particularly the way that Charlie Brown's treated. That's probably more of I think definitely like an adult guy thing to do. You know, this is kind of the way that when you reach at least you know maybe your early twenties or whatever, it's just kind of you're always not tearing each other down, but you're you're giving each other a hard time for the sake of you know just having fun with each other and people don't take it seriously so there's these adult traits in the characters that make it funny because you're watching either five-year-olds or seven or eight-year-olds do it human humanizes these characters yeah exactly this is the most intelligent podcast we've ever done ben waterworth all right someone say a sex joke (laughs) ben uh, if Ben were on here, he would have said something inappropriate uh, during our last topic of conversation. I know that for sure. So we get Sally starting to turn for the first time in this episode where, you know, she's gone from being curious about what Linus says because she has a crush on him to firmly believing him and standing up for him to now she's starting to doubt it. And of course, Linus, he never budges. He's always like, he's definitely going to come. Don't let him doubt you. And uh, there's great moments later on I'll mention too. Um, and what happens is that the... the intercut with the whole thing of Snoopy and the Flying Ace stuff, the World War One stuff, him at Schroeder's piano with the songs and all that. He kind of leaves after the Lucy thing and he's just sneaking through the pumpkin patch. Now Linus thinks this is the Great Pumpkin the great as pumpkin. Snoopy's shadows rising out of it. It's like, it's the Great Pumpkin. He's here. I wonder what present going to And he passes out. And of course, Sally's like, it's just Snoopy. Linus doesn't know when he wakes up. He's like, did he come? Did he give us lots of presents? You know, what did he have to say? And then she just loses it with him. Like, completely loses it. And this is like, you blockhead, which the word blockhead I never heard until this, but everybody calls each other blockheads here. Um, little things that she says in here, like, uh, you know, you owe me restitution. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just, it's awesome. The way that the rant she has on here, which I'll let you talk about a little bit. Uh, and also, as all the other kids come up, you know, there's a line about, yeah, you've heard about uh, Fury. Uh, of a woman's scorn, nothing compares to a woman being cheated out of trick or treats. Um, there's the doubt here where you know everybody's leaving us. Uh, Linus, like, you know, when he comes or or if he comes, I didn't mean if, I meant when. I hope he didn't hear me say that and all that. And of course, as you mentioned, he just stays out freezing all night, which I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, uh, we'll end off here just with the last joke where the next morning, him and Linus, Charlie Brown and Linus, are talking. And he's like, you know, all I got was uh, a bag full of rocks that comes back again. And 
as usual, it leads to Linus, who it doesn't matter what happens. He so firmly believes his opinion, and you know he doesn't want to be shaken from it. That he goes off on a rant on Charlie Brown. It's like you know uh, this wasn't a stupid thing, and it just played over the end credits. And if you listen to all the little things he says there, some really hilarious lines, but they don't feel like they have to slam it on you. They just let's let it play in the background as the music's slowly drowning it out. Um, this this is one of the great climaxes. I think this is why this special works so well because there are some Peanuts holiday specials that yeah they're good but they're not like super memorable and with this one this is what i always remember it's the same thing with the christmas special uh and the same thing with the new year special just has like this really great climax where the story built to something and everything about it just works this rant like there's good drama there and the interesting thing i always found about peanut specials is that they i don't even know if you know this they only cast children to do these roles and cast children of the age these characters were so sometimes their lines sound, you know, not like you're acting it. They just sound like a kid. And it really brings something to the show that I don't think you would have had otherwise if you did this like a regular animated special and you had an adult doing the sound of a kid's voice. Yeah, well, throughout the whole movie, they're saying tricks or treats. Yeah, exactly. It's like such treats. a subtlety, yeah. but like it's a big difference if you had an adult say it versus a child. Mm-hmm. Like that may have been an accident by one of the kids at one point. And then they just kept it. Mm-hmm. And they changed the script to make it be tricks or treats throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about with the the great pumpkin coming and Sally's rant? Yeah, well, I should talk about Sally's rant. Go for it. what you were alluding to at the beginning. Yeah. Where I was like, what? <laughs> Rossi uh, forgot his own life. <laughs> yes. So back in high school, I, did, I was auditioning for musical theater. Or not music. I think it was it. The, the the musical one I don't remember because I auditioned for the plays too but um so I needed a monologue and for some reason like the the drama teacher has like a book of monologues that you can go through but those are all the boring ones you don't want to go through those it's like you took my pencil and I don't have any gum for this class or whatever and it's like the stupidest monologues like all these fake ones that are like poorly written and everything so I wanted to think of something that would be like iconic kind of funny witty and then like in searching for monologues this one came up and i was like this is perfect mm-hmm. and so i did the whole sally monologue um for my audition and it was people loved it a lot of people laughed um it was fun to do i mean i think it was my last year so I might as well go out on a pie note do you remember any of the lines from it or can you quote it after watching this i pulled it up Go for it. You have to deliver a performance. Like, oh, this God. is what the episode's all about. I'm just going to read it. <laughs> read it, but read it with some passion. I was read it like wrong. a seven-year-old girl would. Okay. Okay. Let's not go there. <laughs> um, I was robbed. I spent the whole night waiting for the great pumpkin when I could have been out for tricks or treats. <laughs> Halloween is over and I missed it. You blockhead. You kept me up all night waiting for the great pumpkin and all that came was a beagle. I didn't get a chance to go out for tricks or treats. And it was all your fault. I'll sue. What a fool I was. I could have had candy apples and gum and cookies and money and all sorts of things. But no, I had to listen to you, you blockhead. What a fool I was. Tricks or treats come only once a year, and I miss it by sitting in the pumpkin patch with a blockhead. You owe me restitution. (laughs) Did you get a good grade on that? Was it something that was graded? No, it was just um, extracurricular after school mm-hmm. theater performance that I auditioned for. So no grade. 
still awesome. We got a monologue on this. And we're going to do that. I don't care what we're covering. We're going to each have to alternate and pick yes. a monologue in whatever we cover. I'll take next week. I'll find something. Oh, for it. come on. You get a good one. We'll both pick it. Well, I don't have a monologue ready today, but we'll both pick one for next week. Yes. This is monologue month here on the Oz Network. Monologue um, October. Do you have uh, anything else you want to add on this or we want to kind of wrap this up with some final thoughts? No, I think it was fun to it was fun to rewatch this, especially mm-hmm. for the time of the year. It was fun. It was fun to go back, kind of reflect. Yeah, yeah. and again, I think the great thing about this episode is it's something that everybody knows. Uh, yeah, everyone's familiar with it. Like, no, it's not like, well, I've never heard of that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and most people are going to be able to, you know, listen to this episode and remember all this. But even if you don't, like, it's coming up in a few days. Watch it, even if you, so, you can just. Watch it for Lucy on the Guide of TV Guide that Lucy's holding. Uh, underrated moment that not a lot of people noticed here. Um, final thoughts, I guess. Let's let's get to ranking this. Before we get to ranking this, Ross, you shared something in the middle of this episode. It's a, which Charlie Brown character are you? Uh, so you took this quiz. I took this quiz. Who did you end up with? I got Snoopy. <laughs> did you take it more than once? No, I took it once. Okay. What does it actually say about Snoopy? Um... I closed it. <laughs> okay. Um, I closed mine too. I was just hoping you could stall until I took the quiz again. I got Charlie Brown, which kind of disappoints me. <laughs> Here I'm talking about the Have you been fails. bullied, Colin? I haven't. That's the thing. I, the, the, the thing is, I think that this has a wrong gauge on the characters because it talks about, you know, you're beloved to the everyman. It's like, even the everyman's like, Charlie Brown, what a loser. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say I'm wrong on that because otherwise... You know, I'm I have to be ashamed of myself, and I don't need to be ashamed of myself at this point in my life. <laughs> There's no way I'm Charlie Brown. Uh, if you had to identify with one character, who would it be? Um, maybe like, uh, I don't know. It's tough. Maybe Sally. Like, it's weird to say, but Sally is like. Um, am I saying this as like an adult now, or am I saying this as a child? Oh yeah, as an adult. Okay. Um, then probably more like. Like Sal, uh, not Sally, Lucy, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> You're a mean bully. <laughs> Lucy, maybe, maybe like Schroeder. If I had to like go into like some less like main front characters, mm-hmm. but there's not many that I feel like I'm most like. Not Pigpen. I thought about it, but I'm not messy. So. Yeah, that's I. I shower like two to three times a day, so I could never be Pigpen. Um, although it's funny, like we go through our entire family, you know, oh, everybody kind of has similarities to all these characters. Uh, I did want to mention this. I didn't even realize it like until we were getting ready to record this. I have a Linus pillow here that was given to me uh, a couple of years ago when I started uh, a business on the side. My business partner's wife and a friend uh, had bought me a Linus pillow for my birthday because this was a point where like our family was like oh yeah we're obviously like this character we're obviously like this character and they ended up also buying you know my sister lucy pillow and my brother-in-law charlie brown pillow i think but it's funny i'm looking at the linus pillow right here right now um i'm also looking at a lucy figure that i think came from the movie that came from mcdonald's or something like that um but i've got these things everywhere and you know like i said i got the charlie brown books and everything like it's i just love the series it rossi we've waited long enough you have your results i'm still working on mine Okay, so it says, you are Snoopy. The world's your stage. World War I flying ace. Your boundless creativity and imagination can entertain you and your friends. 
for days at a time. There's never a dull moment when you're around, especially if there's food to be found. And you're a fearless, inspiring champion of adventure. Are you? Uh, rude. Oh, I'm, I'm doubting. I'm just <laughs> saying, wow, is that Colin. you? I'm asking. Does, Bullying does this... on this podcast. <laughs> we have to bully on this podcast. This is the theme of the week. You blockhead. I'm just, I'm just asking. Is that? Does this describe you? Are you connecting with this? Not entirely, but okay. I think like maybe if it was like toned down a bit. Mm-hmm. Like you know these things are like the most ridiculous like caricatures like so like maybe a toned down version of that I could feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on the final question here of mine, so I'll give you mine. If this worked a, a second time, I think I have one. I can't remember what I answered. Uh, no, here we go. You are Charlie Brown. Good grief! You kind of knew this was going to happen, right? <laughs> well, your stalwart charm makes you beloved by all. By really. Uh, you have a habit of being a bit hard on yourself. Sure, life rarely goes your way, but you're a hero to the everyman, and you have the best. Well, they try their best. Friends in the world. Um, I don't know how to feel about myself after that. Uh, fair enough, Quiz. We're, we're gonna, this is another thing we'll do for this entire month here. Uh, we'll come up with a which character are you of, whatever we're going to cover next week. Um I don't know. I'm happy with my results just because Charlie Brown's a hilarious character. I'll take being Charlie Brown even though it's wrong. Uh, But here, when they say you're beloved by all, seriously, Charlie Brown? I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, Let's rank this thing, Rossi. Uh, Buy it, rent it, bin it. What is It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown? Um, I'm going to go with a bin it. You, you okay? No, I'm kidding. Okay. I'm about to cancel your episode next week. <laughs> no, I'm gonna buy it. You have to buy it. This I'm gonna put it on the mantle too. Like buy it and frame it. Like yeah, exactly. I'm gonna have a, a nice frame, and it's gonna have the monologue printed on there that Sally rants on in the end. Perfect. Just, just collectibles everywhere. Like this is, yeah, this is iconic. And you have like the memorabilia with you. You got the pillows and the throws and the figurines. And I've the... got everything here. I got the books and all that. Uh, you, you sent me, and I don't think this is much memorabilia, but you found something in the store. You sent me a picture of last week, which was, uh, it's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown pumpkins. I guess they're selling. <laughs> it was just, just good advertising, I guess. Yeah, it's a box full of pumpkins. And there's a great pumpkin Charlie Brown box that they're all sitting in, uh, which is still clever, I guess. I mean, um, I, I would have bought one if it wasn't heavy. Like, there and was... it wasn't disgusting, right? No, yes. Oh, I wanted to talk about the freezing thing on the end. Um, yeah, okay, so I've never fallen asleep outside. Well, I guess I have. I mean, you go camping, it can sometimes get really cold. Uh, most of the time you're camping during the summer, but if you're camping like really close to the water, it get cold. Like, do you camp... Um, I have a few times. I just got back from camping over the summer. Okay. And were you like close to the water wherever you were sleeping? Um, not like close, but close. Yeah. But you do know that it's like, yes, you felt yes, it, I get what you're saying. It's freezing the air coming off of that water. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes you camp and you get that like, I'm freezing and you don't know how. I had one time when I was camping and everything I had was wet. And, uh, you know, I tried my hardest, but like I didn't bring a change of clothes. So the clothes I had was slightly wet. So I'm covered with a blanket, but my blanket's wet. I forgot a pillow. So I had a towel I'd used earlier in the day under my head. Uh, that was miserable. But what this is more for me is like when you fall asleep and you don't realize it's cold until you wake up and by then you're sick, 
this is bad memories because I I get really hot at night. This is a weird, you know, topic to be talking about with the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. But I get like really hot at night, and I'll have a fan on during the winter. And sometimes when it's the fall, like now, I'll just keep a window open all night. And when I fall asleep, it's comfortable. And then when I wake up at four or five in the morning, and it's almost down to freezing temperature, and I don't even have a blanket on me, I feel exactly like Linus in this one. So this is always an uncomfortable. It's weird but it's an uncomfortable moment every time I see him there freezing at the end of the episode. That's quite a parallel. Yeah. What a and I get head. grossed up by pumpkins. This, it elicits so many reactions, Charlie Brown does. Uh, let's uh, wrap this up. Uh, we love It's a Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Thank you for giving us this, Charles Schultz. Uh, let's talk about what we're going to be covering next week, Rossi. I'll give you the honor here. Uh, next week, we're still on TV shows. It's going to be a random Halloween theme thing. What are we talking about? We are talking about not one, but two. Two. Count them. One, two. Two rocks. Two episodes. <laughs> two episodes of Parks and Recreation. Yes. And I think they're the only Halloween episodes they had, aren't they? Yeah, they're only, they only did two. And it's really random where they were. But we're going to cut two like kind of completely different ends of this show. Yeah. Like, the first one, because I think this show was a mid-season replacement, it was the second season when they had the first Halloween theme, and that's probably one of the reasons why they didn't do it other years, is the show, the schedule is all over the place. Um, season two and season five, do I have that right? Yeah. Do you have the episode titles up in case people want to look up these episodes? Um, I could pull it up. I know one is, like, Halloween. One, The first one is um, Greg Pakaitis from season two. Season <laughs> oh, two episode is... Greg Pakaitis. I think it's, um, I think that's like episode seven. Here, how about you look it up, concrete, and I'll start off just talking about my history with Parks and Recreation before we go into this. Go ahead. Um, this isn't a show I got into when it was on the air. I think I discovered this show in between the what did it have six seasons? I think I discovered it in between the fifth and sixth season, and it, it's not that I ever had a problem with it, but it's like I I, I kind of was done with sitcoms for the longest time. And especially NBC sitcoms. Like, I don't want to have anything to do with NBC. Uh, so I never bothered to watch this show. And it was airing, like, in reruns. And, you know, the, I guess, Canadian equivalent to the Comedy Network was on. And um, they're airing, like, two episodes a day. So I'm like, well, let me check this out. And it was just, it was a hilarious show. And I know both the Halloween episodes you're talking about. But, I mean, we, you mentioned, like, completely different ends of the spectrum here, what the show was. It really did start differently than it ended. The characters were different. Uh, even new characters they brought in, like the whole tone of the show changed and everything. So it's going to be interesting to see the difference in these episodes, uh, season two to season five. Do you have the episode titles now? Yes. So okay, the first okay. one is season two, episode seven, and it is called Greg Pakaitis. <laughs> um, if you know the show, then you know who that is. Great character. And the second one is season five, episode five, and it's called Halloween Surprise. Yeah. And I'll tell you this right now. I know one of these episodes very well. I've seen them both more than once. One of them stands out in my memory. The other one doesn't. It's going to be interesting to see if I get the same reaction out of watching this. Uh, or if maybe, hey, there's something I was missing this whole time. But uh, you want to talk a little bit about Parks and Recreation? We've talked a little bit about it over the last couple of weeks since we decided to do this. Um, you mean my history with it and everything? Yeah, not, not too much detail. But yeah, just a little bit. Um. Yeah, so I'm not a big comedy person. Like, I don't know. I've just never been one for the comedies, like the like the Friends, The Office, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Like, I never was into that. And 
for some reason I came across Parks and Rec well after it had ended. I've only watched it within the last like three years, the whole show. And like for some reason that that was kind of like the first show that got me into comedy. Like mm-hmm. and like I watched the whole thing and I loved it. And then ever since then I've started watching other comedy shows because of Parks and Rec. Like Parks and Rec started it all for me. Yeah, and I mean it's very like you mentioned the office is very similar to the office. Uh, I think most people have probably seen The Office on here, maybe not as many with Parks and Rec, but just that style of it's like it's like a mockumentary show. Yep. You know, they're being filmed, they're talking about their jobs as if this is a real thing, but with confessionals, it, confessionals and all that. Yeah, did you see the one that came out last year that was similar to this? I think it was called Trial and Error. No, I haven't. Oh, that's a good one to tr- to check out. Yeah, it's like a murder trial. Uh, imagine Parks and Rec as a murder trial. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Maybe, We'll get around to that. Maybe if they ever get a second season, we'll have to cover that one. But yeah, we're both very similar here. We got into the show probably around the exact same time as the show was you know, winding down. Um, we'll talk lots about Parks and Rec next week. Again, we couldn't decide on just one because when you put it out there, it's like, these are the Halloween episodes. I'm like, well, I love one of these because I love the episode, but it's the characters that come in later in the show, yeah. particularly... Adam Scott and Rob Lowe where it's like you got to talk about those guys how can you talk about the show and not talk about them even though they didn't even come in till like halfway through the show's run but they're so like synonymous with the show and everything mm-hmm. like it's like yeah. you can't exclude them even though the first one's a lot funnier and you know what I don't want to tease anything that I can't live up to here but we may find a way to get Jamie on that episode which I don't think Jamie's ever done an episode outside of ones just with me um Whoa. Ben's even waiting to do episodes with her. But Jamie, this is one of the this hot, is one of the shows topic. that she, she, Yeah, exactly. Everybody wants Jamie on their episodes. Um except for Colin. <laughs> but uh she's sitting You right really are right the lioness to her, Sally. Hi, Rossi. Oh, she just said hi Rossi. She doesn't care about anybody else out there. Um but yeah. No, you're right. It is very Sally and Linus here. But yeah, like she loves the show just as much as I do, and I think one time she said to me, if you guys ever covered Parks and Recreation, I would not only listen to that, I'd be on the episode. So I'll see if I can get her on for next week. On, and we'll have Jamie. a round table. Come on, Jamie. Come on, Jamie. That's what he's saying in the background. Um, and she's ignoring us now. Anyways, that's it. Uh, we will be back for this next week. And this isn't a replacement. If anybody is wondering and you listen to our anniversary month episodes, I think the final one just went up for Face Off. Uh, we are transitioning over the next month into doing the Justice League movies that's going to be going on and of course Survivor going on as always and uh, maybe another TV show going to be starting anytime now uh, very soon uh, a big TV show one that uh, is probably uh, I, I would go as far as to say this is like one of the most debated and talked about shows out there it's going to provide for good episodes Ben and Noah are going to be covering it all the way from the beginning uh, I can't tell you what it is now we'll surprise you with it just like we did with It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown uh, anyways, Rossi, thank you for joining us, and thank you for not freezing to death. Oh. Yeah, it's good to be here. Good to not get a single rock this episode, so I was happy for that. <laughs> you you mentioned we should do like some type of yeah uh, thing with Survivor and thing. There's a lot of uh, jokes we could have made with the whole rock thing, but we just didn't have the patience to do it. <laughs> no purple rocks this episode. Yeah, no purple rocks. Um, anyways, uh, stay tuned for Parks and Rec next week and all the other episodes out there. And uh, my name is Colin and Rossi, you blockhead.
Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net. 